evening. Hello, hello. As we take a seat, can you turn to your name and say it's good to have you at the 6 p.m. service? <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm excited because it's the third time and I feel like I'm going get, to get a bit loose. And um, yeah, enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. Who was here this morning? Oh, wow. Okay. I'll try not to make the same jokes. That's good. Hello. Wow. I love what Zahn said about the reason why we are saying the same message at our 9.30, at our 11.15, and our 6 p.m. And I shared this morning about why knowing our culture, knowing our values is so important because the world outside has a culture. Whether we know it or not, whether we agree with it or not, the world outside of these walls has a culture. And we need to know as a church, as a people, what is our culture? What is our response to what the world has? So we know as a church, as a team, as a people, these are our foundations. These are our values. This is where we are coming from. And so last two weeks, Zion has preached on Jesus is our pursuit and people are our purpose. And tonight it's my honor and my privilege to bring our third cultural response here for Life Church. And what I'd love to do is jump back into the chapter that we were looking at last week in Luke 19. And I want to hone in on one particular verse in verse 8. So I'd love if you jump into there with me, otherwise it's going to come up on the screen. But a little recap about Luke 19 if you weren't here last week. It's a story about a man named Zacchaeus. And this man is not just any man, but a short and a rich man. And this man is a corrupt tax collector. What does that mean? The Jewish uh, people are under oppression from the Romans. And what this means is tax collectors are hated because they have sided with the Romans. They are taking money from the Jewish people. And so when Zacchaeus hears of Jesus coming into town, Jesus, who is now very famous, and he visits, Zacchaeus wants to know who is this Jesus. And so he finds a tree to climb into the tree. I was looking at this particular passage and a commentary said that he had to climb a tree, not just because he was short, but because, you know, the fact is if there was a crowd and you were short, you'd just push your way to the front, right? But Zacchaeus, because he was a tax collector, nobody would let him go to the front because they hated him. And so that's why he had to use his brains and climb a tree. Side note, I don't know if that's relevant. But anyway, he climbs into a tree, and this is when something incredible takes place. Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and he calls him by name. He calls him by name, and after this, Zacchaeus goes on to have dinner with Jesus. And a radical encounter takes place, where by the end of this meal, Jesus is now, sorry, Zacchaeus is now a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're going to jump into verse 8, because I want you to see what the first thing that Zacchaeus does after he becomes a follower. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. Wow. And he says, And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. I want to pause there for a moment. We know that Zacchaeus was a numbers man because he was a tax collector. And so he is not just saying, I'm gonna give back 10% of my tithe. He's not just saying, man, let me just crunch up these numbers and figure out what's the minimum I need to give. He's saying, I'm gonna give half of my wealth to you, Lord. And he doesn't just stop there because generosity goes above and beyond. But he says, I will give back four times as much to those that I owe. 
not just how much I owe them, I'm going to give it back. Not even just double of what I owe, but four times as much. And tonight I want to speak on this. Our third cultural value here at Life Church is generosity is our privilege. Generosity is our privilege. I like how the last two weeks on has been talking about how Jesus is our pursuit. And I think we can all agree that's a pretty safe topic because we all love Jesus here, amen? And then he talks about how people are our purpose. Again, if you know God and you know he loves people, that makes sense. And then he gets me to come in and preach on generosity. You know, when we hear the word generosity, there's kind of a gut reaction because sometimes all we think is associated with generosity is money. And we think, no, 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 don't talk to me about money. But what I need you to understand tonight before we jump into this word is generosity is so much more than our finances. Generosity is a mind and heart shift. Generosity is a spirit that we carry. And Zacchaeus, after he encounters the gospel, after he encounters Jesus Christ, let's see that his first response here is to give. He goes and gives out of a response to the grace he's encountered with Jesus. And you know what I find so amazing is that nobody told him, you need to give now. I don't think Jesus said, okay, now that you're a follower of me, this is what you need to do. Zacchaeus' pure, unfiltered, raw response to the encountering the grace of Jesus was to simply give. Out of everything he had been given, now all of a sudden Zacchaeus is like, how can I give back? Zacchaeus had been given so much by Jesus, and his response was now to give back. We know that the gospel goes deeper than the letter of the law. That's what happens when Zacchaeus met Jesus. And when we encounter grace, our heart is transformed. Or I can put it like this. When Jesus is our pursuit, we are filled up with thankfulness, and this overflows into our giving. When Jesus is our pursuit and people are our purpose, we understand that generosity is our privilege. Jesus has filled us up in order to spill us out. Or we know this as Christians, that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. And this is our third cultural value here at Life Church, because simply as a church, we want to resemble the heart of God. And we serve and love a generous God. I love our church, and I've said it time and time again, that we are a generous church. I've seen it in my own life. And I know that I am here today because of the generosity of my God and the generosity of people. I came into these, into these wars as a 16-year-old girl who all she knew was religion. She'd known church, she'd grown up in church, but I never, ever encountered the person, the relationship I could have with Jesus. And when I walked into this church, I learned for the first time the grace that was on offer for me. I, had, I learned to rewrite the script I'd read my whole life because I all of a sudden saw differently because of my encounter with Jesus. And I can tell you that because of the people's generosity of their time, of their encouragement, of their talent, of their treasure, I'm where I am today. And when I encountered that kind of generosity, it changed me for life. It made me wanna be a youth leader so I could show young people the kind of grace I'd encountered. It made me want to intern so I could use my creative gifts to help build the church who had given so much to me. See, when we encounter generosity in our lives, our first response is to give back. I believe generosity leaves a mark. It leaves a legacy. 
And I reckon it's pretty simple tonight. God wants us to be a generous people. You know, the word generosity, it can get thrown around a lot. But when you really consider what does the word generosity means, this is the definition. It means to give more than what is required. And if you really stop and think about that, it's a pretty radical idea. Because it's easy to just do what is required. It's easy to just give what is expected. But where does this wild idea come from to go above and beyond? Well, we know in John 3.16, God models it for us by saying, for he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, sacrificing his son for all of humanity. And this was our Jesus, that he was so generous to the point of death, and his resurrection set the example of selfless generosity that we now pursue on a daily basis. Generosity is our response to the pursuit of Jesus. Some of you will know that a few months ago, I ended a job um, as a marketing manager for a company, and it was an amazing season in many ways, and in that season, God really blessed me in ways that I expected and in ways that I never expected. And one of those unexpected blessings was that as a church around this time last year, we were looking at how can we replace the carpet of our church. If you all remember, we had nice purple carpet. It was wonderful. And one of the most amazing things that came out of the season of me working for this company was that the company that I worked for specialized in carpet and in tiles. And so one day, Simon gets up and he holds up a square piece of carpet and he says, all right, this is the type of carpet that we're gonna, gonna buy. And in carpet talk, it was like a low PVC, kind of low end of the range, you know, like just a solid carpet. But the guy that um, was in my company at that point, he had just started coming back to Life Church. You see, months ago, sorry, years ago, he'd walked away from church, but he came back into church and found family and found God again. And he came to me one day at work and he said, Sophie, we can do better than that carpet. Sophie, we need to fight for the best carpet for Life Church. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And because he was a sales rep, he had the connections, he had the people. So he went and fought so that we could have the best carpet. And he got the price down to lower than the wholesale price. And what happened next was amazing. We were still 50 cents per square meter. I didn't make this point clearly this morning. So anyway, I'll explain in a later. But he, we were still 50 cents per square meter away from what our budget was for the carpet. And he said, I'm going to match that out of my own pocket. I'm going to match that out of my own pocket. So this morning, what I, what I said was that he matched it 50, 50 cents. And I was like expecting everyone to be like, whoa. But I think everyone just thought 50 cents is not that generous. <laughs> But let me, let me uh, rectify, it was 50 cents per square meter that he offered to put in himself. And to me, he didn't do that because of a public praise or for me to mention it to you all tonight. But I simply believe that that was his response to the generous God he had encountered and the generosity of the church in which he had found home and family again. You see, when we encounter generosity like that, it leaves a mark and it leaves us changed. It, requ it, it requires a response from us to want to give back generously. Generosity is our response to our pursuit of Jesus. And if there's one thing tonight that I love for us to catch a hold of, for us to get into the deep inside of us, it's this, that I want a church who believes in a generous God. 
I want a church who believes in a generous God. And it's not just something nice that we put on our wall or something nice that we can tweet or Instagram or chuck on our Facebook status of how we're feeling. But it goes more than that because when we really get it on the inside of us, that we serve and love a generous God, it changes our entire world. It changes the way we see. It changes the way we think. And it changes the way that we live. Because all of a sudden, I understand that there's more than enough for me. I serve a victorious God. I serve a God and I come from a place of victory, like Zahn was saying. And it changes now the way that I love people, the way I talk to people, the way that I see my future, the way I see my challenges, because I know deep inside of me, I serve and love a generous God. God has given richly towards us, and it is our honor. Another word for honor is privilege. It's our privilege to give back to him. And I believe that living generously in our lives starts with first knowing that we have a generous God. We see generosity as our privilege. And and it it makes us want to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. A few weeks ago, Zion talked about my dog. Actually, it's my family's dog, Benji. And the funny thing is, he talked about Benji, about how he's a small purse dog but I just want to get my facts right because I've got the microphone now. Benji is a medium-sized dog. He is a cavoodle. He's very good-looking, and I would love a cavoodle in the future. Do you know, this morning, I, said, I put out a challenge. I said, I want a cavoodle, but Zahn wants a German shepherd. Do you know what happened next? Somebody came up to us after the service and offered to give us a free German shepherd. And, and I was like, no. I said we're getting a cavoodle. And I was like, how did this happen? So I'm so much more careful about what I'm going to say from now on because I was like, okay, watch who's going to win, cavoodle or German Shepherd. And someone comes and offers a German Shepherd. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. Anyway, moving on. So about Benji. Benji's our family dog. The master of the house that Benji listens to is my dad. And right now we're living with my family because we're doing renovations, etc. And what happens is when Benji, when you want Benji to do something, he will not listen to you. You say, Benji, come here. And he looks at you with his cheeky smile, and he will not listen. But as soon as you pull out some food, as soon as you just open up a wrapper, he comes running towards you, and he'll sit next to you at the table, look up, look at, up at you with his big puppy eyes, and he will be waiting patiently, hoping that you will be generous and share your food with him. And it sounds really funny, but sometimes we can approach God in a really similar way. We can approach God thinking, God, like we're begging, God, I hope that today you'll be a generous God. God, I hope today you'll just share with me a little bit of what you've got. I just want some crumbs of what you have. And what we don't understand is that there's a feast before us. And we don't have to beg. We don't have to hope that he's going to be generous. We know that we love and serve a generous God. We know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. We have to understand that because it's going to change the way that we live generously when we first understand how accessible our generous God is. Every single one of us, we have a choice to live generously and to think in abundance or to simply hold everything for ourselves. Let me tell you that our inherent desire is to be selfish. You might not wanna admit it tonight, but I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I can be pretty selfish. And sometimes because that's our natural inclination, we have to intentionally fight against selfishness 
so that we can choose to be generous people. Selfishness is so inherent in our flesh that we have to actually guard against it. So we get a choice. Are we going to live with the mindset of scarcity or the mindset of abundance in God and knowing we have a generous God? And I want to start also this message by explaining that our generosity isn't determined by our income, our pay bracket, or our circumstances. Like I said earlier, when we hear the word generosity, we can so get caught in the trap that it's all about finances. But I can tell you I've been to some of the poorest of poor countries and met people who have economically so little, yet are the most giving in spirit, who have such an open hand in letting go and blessing others, who have so little in, 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 in finances or even in products, but they're so quick, so eager to give. So I want us to know that generosity is not determined by our finances, but it's first and foremost a mind and heart shift. I want to jump into some scripture tonight as we explore generosity, and the verses are going to come up behind me on the screen, but I encourage you as we do this, take some notes. You can allow this message to change you. You can allow this message to get inside of you really deep, or you can allow it to just be another message on a Sunday night. But I would love that as a church, we understand that our Sunday sermons are not the meat for the week. But this is just to whet your appetite. This is just to get you wanting more. But we are to go out in ourselves and to daily journal and to get into the word for ourselves so we can allow the word of God to transform and change our lives. So let this just be a taste tester of what you are going to eat this week. Amen? All right, Proverbs 11, 24, 26. It talks about the generosity of our God. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. It's pretty self-explanatory. When we pursue Jesus, our world gets bigger. An abundant life is a generous life. The NIV version puts it like this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love it because it says a generous person will prosper. Not maybe, it will prosper. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. You will be enriched in every way so you can be generous. Psalm 100 verse 5 talks about God's generosity. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. Psalm 145 16, he is generous to a fault. You lavish your favor on all creatures. Key word here, all creatures. What does this mean? It means generosity is a biblical principle. And what it means is that when it's a biblical principle, anybody, whether you follow Jesus or not, can apply a biblical principle to your life and you will reap the benefits. You will be blessed. And so this is confirmed to us in Romans 10, 11 to 13. Scripture reassures us, no one who trusts God like this, heart and soul, will ever regret it. It's exactly the same. No matter what a person's religious background may be, the same God for all of us. Acting the same incredibly generous way to everyone who calls out for help. Everyone who calls help will get help. And while anybody who applies the biblical principle of generosity can get and reap the benefits of it in their life, 
I believe that if we as Christians know and have intimacy with God, we should be the most generous people on the face of the earth. Come on, if people who don't even know God and the generosity of God can apply this principle and be generous in the world, I think we should be able to be the most generous, most loving, most giving people on the face of this earth. Deuteronomy 15.10, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. How many know it's easy to give and not even give cheerfully? Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. In the word of God, the word give in all its many forms and ways is represented in the Bible 2,100 times, over 2,000 times. Now the word love in the word of God is represented 700 times. Does that mean loving is less than giving? No. But I've heard it put like this, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You cannot truly, authentically love without giving, because the essence of loving is giving. Generosity is the foundation of love, whether that's through the generosity of our time, our talent, our treasure, generosity is the foundation of love. And I believe God is so interested in our generosity because generosity is love and action. If we are to be a church, a people that goes beyond the four walls of this building, because that is what a church is, not an address, not a building, but a people of God who gather together, who are moving forward into his promises. If we are to be that church moving in power, we must get generosity to be a deep part of who we are. It must go deeper than obligation or doing what's always been done, but allowing God to have full access to how we live and how we give. I'm speaking about the kind of generosity that calls people home, that welcomes and embraces people. We can be so unknown as Christians for all the things in our world that we are against, and it breaks my heart. You know, how quick are the people in my world who, who know me as a person, but hear about Christianity, hear about church, and they're so quick to turn their back because of what they've seen and what they've heard. Because they're so quick to know about all the rules and the things that Christianity is against. But come on, what if we were a people that would be more known for what we are for because they know that we love and serve a generous God. That we're so generous in the way that we live and pour out our lives. Let our generosity speak of the God that we love and serve. Because if generosity is love and action, generosity must be our hands and our feet. So tonight, there is so much I could give to you on the word of generosity. In fact, they, I could do an entire series on the word generosity in all the different ways it could be outworked in every area of our life. But in the short time that I have, I want to speak on what is the language of a generous person? What does a generous church sound and look like? Does it sound good? All right, let's lean in and dig into this. Our first language around it is we give not out of law, but of abundant grace. We give not out of law, but of abundant grace. Romans 6, 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. We don't give because it's the right thing or it's a rule or it's a law, but we give out of the abundant grace of Jesus Christ. 
And that should change the entire way that we give. Giving to give is different from generosity. And I want to leave you with this. The weight of your generosity is determined by the weight of your worship. And our worship, our worship comes from knowing the abundant grace of Jesus. And suddenly, the way that we give, the attitude, the heart posture in which we give is not out of an obligation. It's not out of a, okay, well, someone's told me that a good idea is to give. But it comes, like I said, out of a response of knowing Jesus, of being so thankful for Jesus. We're not generous for the public praise of man, but for the private pursuit of Jesus. Secondly, the language around a generous church and a generous people is this. We know that their win is my win. Their win is my win. When we understand that we have a generous God, there is room for everyone. Nobody misses out. Because in the kingdom of God, their win is my win. Your win is my win. We don't have to claw our way to the top or a position or a role because we know that God has called every single one of us uniquely and individually and every single part is needed to bring together the tapestry, the masterpiece of what God is building. Every part is needed. No part is lesser or greater, but every unique individual is called and purposed by God. Every unique part is needed. And so you outworking your grace, your purpose doesn't take away from mine, but we can champion one another on because we know their win is my win because in the grand scheme of things, it's all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. We can think of generosity where our lives sometimes as a giant pie. And if someone comes and takes a slice of my pie, suddenly there is less pie for me. That makes me angry. Someone likes pie, he said earlier. If someone stole his pie, he'd not be a happy man. But generosity is not a pie. Generosity is a candle. And our candle, when we go and light another candle, it doesn't take away from our light. But suddenly the room is brighter. Suddenly there's more light in the room. And that's what you have to understand about generosity, is that when we light another candle, it doesn't subtract from me, but it multiplies. That's generosity in action. It multiplies. Our world has a fear of missing out. In fact, they have a term for it. It's called FOMO. We have a fear of missing out, but we can live differently when we know we have a generous God, when we know that we always have more than enough. So what does the language of that sound like in my day-to-day life? Maybe your coworker got a promotion. Your language can be, their win is my win. They got a promotion, great, my company is winning. Youth is doing amazing, our language is great, our church is winning. My friends just got the dream puppy I've always wanted, great, I get free cuddles, I'm winning. When the church down the road is growing and is baptizing and making disciples, praise God, our global church is winning. That is a language that their win is my win. When you're winning, I'm winning. That is the heart and the language of a generous church and a generous people. Their win is my win. Thirdly, our language is we see opportunities, not obligations. We see opportunities. Proverbs 22, 9 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. A generous eye will see beyond itself and quickly spot opportunities to bless others. 
When generosity is a way of living, it becomes our posture, our stance. And it's not a labor or a single action like we just did our good deed for the week. It's not a grudging obligation. And I love it. This is the language of it. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's not a have to, it's a get to. I love our Life Church team because that's the attitude they carry. I don't have to do this. I get to be a part of what God is building here. It's not a have to, it's a get to. There's so many times over the last few weeks that in my role, I've stopped and thought, I can't believe I get to do this. Not, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's always easy or that it's not stretching my faith, my capacity. It's not requiring new faith as I take new ground. But it changes my posture and my mindset. When I go from, oh, I have to go and do this to, wow, I get to do this. I get to call this my job. I get to go and do this. And it changes everything on the inside. There's more peace. There's more joy. It changes things when you go from an I have to to an I get to. Maybe you've been saying, man, I have to go and pick up those kids from school. I have to go to work today. I have to go finish that assignment. I have to go and sort out that problem over there. And imagine if you change your language to, I get to go and pick up my kids. I get to go to work and provide for my family. I get to go and and use that challenge as an opportunity to grow deep in my faith and to outwork my faith in Jesus. I don't have to, I get to. Isaiah 32, 8 says, but a generous man devises generous things. What that's saying is that a generous person, a generous person will go out of their way to spot opportunities, will go out of their way to make, make plans on how can I be generous to someone today? A, a couple of weeks ago, I got home and there was a bunch of flowers at my door. And I know that for me, it put a big smile on my face. It made my week a little bit brighter. And my friends had gone out and seen some flowers And they didn't just see flowers, but they saw an opportunity on blessing others. And how simple can that be when we go about our day-to-day and we're not just seeing the stuff that's in front of us, but we're seeing opportunities on how we can bless other people and how much of an impact that can have on other people's worlds. A generous eye will see opportunities to bless others. We know that this is our God because he saw the need of the world and he saw a generous strategy, an opportunity to bring a generous strategy, and it is called the gospel, the good news. Fourthly, our language is this, we assume the best. We assume the best. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So instead of being someone who sits back and makes harsh judgments about other people, a generous spirit will be open to believing and assuming the best. I don't know about you, but I've walked into rooms many times, and just by the tone of a voice or slight shift of the shoulder, I've assumed that they don't like me. I've assumed the worst about someone, and instantly when I make that assumption, instantly my world gets smaller. Instantly, I become inward focused. Instantly, I have no room for generosity because I'm just focused on thinking about me. And then you go on to find out later that they were just having a bad day. Or they just weren't even trying to do anything to you, but you read it wrong. But how amazing is it when we understand that God who knows the worst of us still assumes the best of us. And if we are to be a generous people, modeling and pursuing after a generous God, that must be our posture, that we walk into a room and we don't just act like how everybody else acts, but we assume the best. 
And the great thing is when you assume the best and you are right, amazing. If you assume the best and you are wrong, you've extended grace. So every time you win, every time you win, generous people give people the benefit of the doubt. Fifth, we live open-handed. We live open-handed. And a simple illustration of this is that when our fists are clenched, God can put nothing in it and God can move nothing through it. But when our posture, when our hands are open, God can pour out and God can flow through. And the question I wanna ask you tonight is, will you let it flow through you or only to you? Deuteronomy 15, eight says, rather be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Or the NLT puts it like this, instead be generous and lend them whatever they need. That's the posture of generosity, open hands. We don't want what comes to us to stop at us, but we want it to flow through us. Your blessing is not just for you, but it's so that you can be a blessing to others. Amen? Our sixth one, our language is that we are generous with our praise. This one is so simple, yet so powerful. Our God is the most generous with his praise towards us. You read in the word and it's a love story of him pouring out his love, words upon words, promises upon promises, and he's so generous in his praise and affection towards us. And we wanna model it. And so we know that we all need encouragement. Like I've never heard someone say, Sophie, man, I didn't need that encouragement today. We all need encouragement, and we all love encouragement. We all feel and appreciate encouragement. So how can we encourage someone today? How can we be more generous in our praise today? I was thinking yesterday about how how easy it is also to just take for granted the things that we see in our day-to-day lives that all of a sudden have become normal because we've become so accustomed to it. Like for me, I take my Saturdays for granted a lot of the time because I'm not preaching every Sunday. And when you're preaching on a Sunday, you spend a lot of your Saturday with feeling the weight of the message that you're about to bring. And so yesterday I was like, wow, I missed my Saturday. (laughs) But you know what? It made me think, how many times has my husband prepared on a Saturday, poured out his heart, you know, gone before God, spent his Saturday thinking and praying about Sunday, and how quick I was to not give encouragement or give praise or even just thank him. The things that we become accustomed to. And so I want to challenge you this week, what are the things that you've become a normal to? Maybe your wife, your husband, your family, your work, and you've just stopped actually feeling any gratitude for it because it's become so normal in your world. But there's actually an opportunity in your life to be generous in your praise, that your praise can be life-giving. Your generosity can bring life to somebody this week. So ask yourself, how can I be generous with my praise this week? I believe we can all be more generous with our praise. And let us be known for people who are for encouragement and for being people who radically champion on other people. And lastly, our language, a question that we can all ask is how can I add value today? Think of it like a bookend. You start your day and you end your day with this question. How can I add value today to someone? And as you go to sleep, ask yourself the question, how did I add value to someone today? 
You know, if we are to be a generous people, and like I said earlier, if our innate desire is often to be selfish, then we have to be intentional about how we are going to be generous. And a great way to be intentional is to have a simple question that you ask yourself as you go into your day, how can I add value to someone today? John Maxwell says, giving is the highest level of living. And there's always somebody in our world that we can add value to. It's not just looking around and thinking about, okay, what can I get today? But it's noticing the needs of others and responding to it. You know, three words that have challenged me this year is, is the Holy Spirit's been stirring it, in my eye, uh, stirring it in my spirit, is the words, open my eyes. Open my eyes. And I believe that a generous people need to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is pointing out. The Holy Spirit will give you people in your world of how you can add value, of how you can be generous. And for me, I'm just asking God to open my eyes so that I'm not just seeing what is happening in the natural, but God is opening my eyes to what are you doing in the background? What are you doing above and beyond that situation so I can be a generous person, so I can add value to someone today, that I'm not just inward focused on my situation and what I'm going through, but God, that you would let let my life be alive in your purpose, being generous and adding value to others. How can I add value today? I believe that we are a generous church. I 100% believe it. But I also know that if our pursuit is of Jesus, then there's always a deeper level. God is always calling us to go deeper. And you might think, well, Sophie, I've, I've got this generosity thing pretty, pretty sorted. I'm a pretty generous person. But I do believe that if Jesus is our pursuit, then there's always that next level of generosity that we can go to. And you look at the early church in the Bible, and they just they not just laid down their lives, but everything for the gospel. And I mean, in our 21st century world, in our modern Western world, it's so easy to get comfortable. It's so easy to think of generosity as kind of this portion of my life. But what does it look like when our entire world is shifted radically by generosity? Like I was saying before, if, our, if Christians in the church could be known for what we are for, like if every church in Palmerston North was to be radically generous and bless the people of Palmerston North, I know that they would be astounded. They would see, wow, this is the God you love and serve. It would change our city if we were to live out that kind of radical generosity. So the question I want us to ask, all of us to ask this week is this, how can you make generosity a privilege in your life.